I do. I love it. Uh, I there is just, uh, you know, being away from family is really the hardest part. So and we're going to start now for real. This is for real, for real, which means a huge introduction. That's the voice of UFC welterweight Brian Barberina, and I'm Chris Wyman. This is Won't Back Down, presented by Bio Accelerator. Brian Barberina has fought guys like Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, Vincente Luque, Jake Ellenberger, and even Sage Northcutt. Uh, he lives in Tennessee, and uh, he trains at Jim O Training Center in North Carolina, where I uh, do my training out here in the South. Um, he is fighting Matt Brown on December 4th. Uh, so a huge fight, two vets that are going to uh, put it all on the line. Super excited for that fight. I wanted to talk to him because he has gone through a lot. Um, I spoke to him one day after training at Jim O, and uh, he started telling me about this surgery that he had done because he had internal bleeding uh, and ruptured some arteries in his stomach because he got kicked. And he started going through the story, and it was unbelievable uh, how he got through it and how it came about. So I'm super excited to talk to him about how he was able to come out of that and fought uh, less than a year later. Um, he owns a farm, even though he's from California and, and moved to Arizona. But he was kind of wanted to homeschool his own kids wanted to kind of go off the grid and get away from that city life and start a farm from knowing nothing him and his wife um, and their three kids so just very interesting story and I, I really appreciated talking to him and i hope you guys enjoy but before we begin i want to tell you about won't back down's presenting sponsor bio accelerator bio accelerator is the world leader in stem cell therapy and regenerative medical research through the use of their powerful golden stem cells, they help patients heal from joint and orthopedic injuries, autoimmune disorders, spine and disc damage, and neurological trauma. I went down to Medellin, Colombia to BioAccelerator, and honestly, I feel so much better. Um, they did a great job. It was first-class service. They, they took care of me um, like I was a king, from hyperbaric chambers to massages to all the injections. Uh, it really was a, a great experience. Uh, I highly recommend you guys checking out if you have anything going on. They are truly saving people's lives. Thanks again to BioAccelerator for sponsoring Won't Back Down. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Brian Barberina. How you doing, man? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. So you just, you just, we were just talking about it before we started recording, but uh, I, you asked me how I'm doing and I was like, I'm living the dream. And, uh, but then I was like, you know what? No, I'm not. Actually, you're living the dream because you're in the middle of training for a fight. You got a huge fight coming up in about four weeks against Matt Brown. Uh, what is it? Not new, what's the date on that? November? December 4th. Oh, December 4th. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, that is like literally the best. I love training for a fight. Um, and then you started saying something. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I love fight camp as well. Uh, I love training in there with the guys, especially in camp. You know, the intensity is a little bit different than just everyday training. Uh, but the hardest part for me is, you know, being away from my family, being away from my wife and kids every week uh, to be here in North Carolina, at Jimmo, running my camps. So that's really the toughest part and uh, really the hardest part of it all. And uh, so it makes camps definitely not as fun. 
Right. Did you always did you always uh, move away from the family during training camps, or is this like a newer thing that you're doing? No, uh, so it's been since uh, I guess since I moved to uh, Tennessee, uh, since I moved to Tennessee and started traveling to to Jeff here in North Carolina. Uh, it's kind of just been since then. Before I was, you know, I was in Phoenix training at the MMA lab down there, and I lived ten minutes from the gym. I mean, my kids, all my kids, all three of them grew up in the gym. Uh, you know, I took them with me to the gym, set them up with some snacks and, and everything, a little tablet to watch movies. And I mean, they they lived in there as much as I did. As much as I was yeah. there, they were there. So it was just, you know, great having them there all the time, being able to, you know, being close to the gym has benefits, you know, being farther away has its benefits as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, so it's a lot newer. And I did one camp where I did half of a fight camp at Jimmo and then half at the lab. Uh, this is like the first fight camp after I moved to Tennessee and man, the four weeks that I did at the MMA lab was just grueling, like just broke me as far as, you know, just emotionally, my family being away from them and not being able to even just come home on the weekends or anything. So, mm-hmm. uh, decided to stop that. And I was training at the uh, gym full time and, uh, you know, it's better that I get to go home and on the weekends and spend time with them and, and be with them and at least see them. Uh, but it's, it's still extremely hard. Do you think, I mean, I'm, I'm the type of guy, it just kind of worked out to where all my training camps were very close to my house. Uh, and so I never really had to leave my family for long periods of time. Uh, but a lot of my opponents and a lot of people in the UFC, that's what they do. You know, they go away for eight weeks, 10 weeks away from their family and they make that sacrifice and they feel like, uh, it's what they have to do in order to, uh, get the most out of their training. Do you think, do you think doing that, even though it's a sacrifice and all, do you feel like you get more out of it, not being around the family um, or not? It, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, obviously there's, there's the focus of, you know, my kids not being at the gym or whatever and not have to worry about them running the mat or messing around, you know, or something like that. But uh, I think there's benefits on both sides. I, I prefer to have my family, with me to be closer to them. I prefer that 100%. Um, I'd rather be able to go home every night or them come stop in the gym and watch my session or, you know, just be there hanging out with me, uh, during my, my work and everything like that. Like it's always been like that. And so this is kind of newer, but it needs to be done. You know, we got to get ready for fights. We got to be the best we can be. And, uh, that's all I'm you know, going to do and, uh, got to travel to do it. Yeah. I mean, if you could afford it, though, in a, in, a, in a perfect world, are you are you having everybody fly out? Like, if you if you could fly everybody out that you need for training for training camp to your house, and you have like a little gym right in your house, would would that be like a best case scenario? You think for you, even though you're gonna have to go deal with you know heading back home and you know the kids need help with this and that, yeah. and you're gonna drive the kids to this and that, so it takes you out of that fighter mentality for a little bit. But um, is that the best case scenario? You think? Absolutely. You know, if I, if money wasn't an option and I could do whatever I could, I would build a facility on the farm, man. I would, I would have it there and I would fly people in and pay for people to have a little place for them to stay and everything. That's ultimately, uh, you know, would be the best option for me. And, you know, right now we're trying to, we're looking at moving closer, the market's high, but it also on the flip side, it's, uh, you know, not good for buying. So, um, we have a farm as well, so we need to move all our animals or unless we downsize or anything like that. But even still, uh, we'd have to start from scratch pretty much, uh, at the cost of what farms go for and everything. So, uh, 
yeah, just a lot of things to that we're talking about with the family and my wife and you know, trying to figure out and figure out what's the, the best option, the next step. Mm, yeah. You know, we're going to talk about the farm life. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> the so, best life. I love it. It is right. Um, I've, when I was moving down to South Carolina, that was one of the things I was thinking about. Like if I'm moving down South, obviously I have to have a farm. I'm going to have to get cows and goats and <laughs> horses and all that. And I, and I started doing some research. Um, but next thing I know it, you know, a house came up and it was in community and I'm loving where we're at. It's working out, but I am looking at, um, some acreage right now and getting some property, um, as like an emergency type situation, um, having that readily available, something I can go shoot guns at, have animals at, you know, who knows, who knows, but I think buying land is definitely a good option. Uh, but tell me how you, how the heck you got into that. I know you're from California originally, right? So how the heck did you get into farming? Uh, I mean, ultimately, I think it all stems back to when I was a kid. Uh, you know, my dad's from Colombia, and you know, my mom's from the U.S. My dad's been love Colombia, love Colombia. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was just in Medellin, Colombia, bro. Against uh, themselves, that was what an experience. Yeah, it's beautiful yeah. out there, and like so I have a lot of family out there. But uh, when I was a kid, uh, my grandpa and my grandma lived with us, uh, and then my grandpa used to tell me all about he had a farm in Colombia. He'd tell me all about all the animals and the whole setup and everything. And I just remember him telling me those stories at night, you know, when laying in bed and going to bed. He was telling me the stories about the farm and all the animals. And, you know, he had some parrots and stuff too. And it was just all this stuff. And I honestly think, I believe that it stems from that. You know, he ended up moving back to Columbia a few years later and uh, ended up passing away out there. And, uh, you know, so I didn't get to see him again. But, I just feel like it all stems from that really. And, uh, kind of sunk in with me. And as I got older, I kind of realized it more and more that it was something I wanted. And, and we had our, you know, when I had kids and everything like that is, it is just, uh, you know what, this life isn't just about, you know, fighting or working every single day or anything like that. You know, I want to raise my kids differently. I want to put them in a different atmosphere grow up different be able to experience everything that a farm has a farm life has and i wanted that end up you know talking to my wife i was kind of going hardcore at first like off-grid freaking bunker kind of you know like like doing all that and uh you know she kind of reeled me in and everything and we were just looking for a place and settled on tennessee i have two friends that are out here luke sanders was in the ufc and uh, scott holtzman still in the ufc and I uh, was kind of looking at Nashville, Knoxville, and uh, just, you know, traveling back and forth at the time. And decided, hey, uh, you know, this is what we want to do. So me and my wife would come out. And I kind of told everybody at the lab. So they were, you know, uh, you know, sad to hear it, but excited for me, too. And then it kind of sprung up on us. We had an opportunity. It was just, we were flying back and forth like every weekend. So this just came too much to look for houses. Um, and we now, were you looking at were you looking to build houses, or were you just looking at land? I mean, were you looking at land and looking to build, or were you looking at like just big properties with houses on it already? So honestly, we were looking at land to build, and uh, you know, build exactly what we want, everything with the land we want. But with our kids and the move and everything, it was like, well, they're gonna have to go right into school. You know, where are we gonna live? What's gonna be what? We can rent a place, maybe, and then we decided, well, we're just gonna rent a place, find a place to rent, and maybe move out there if we can find what we're looking for. And this property, I fought Leon Edwards in the Netherlands and then came back in a property. I think I got back on a Sunday and there was a property on Craigslist. My wife found 
It was on six acres on these people's farm, attached to these people's farm. And uh, it's like a three bedroom house, barn house. And she's like, I'm going to call them up. I was like, yeah, call them up, see what they say. They're like, yeah, we have people coming to look at it. Uh, You know, over the weekend, we're still finishing some things. And, you know, we're like, well, we're definitely interested. And uh, she hung up after talking with them for a while. And she hung up and talked to me. And it's like, oh, yeah, they were kind of, you know, they did the same thing at one point in their lives. that They have a farm, blah, blah, blah. So it was just like the perfect opportunity. It was like six acres that this little house was on and then the rest of their property. And uh, I was just like, you know what? Let's just go for it. You know, let's, let's just, let's just, let's go. Like if we can get it calm back, if we can get the house, let's, let's do it. And we'll, we'll go and we'll leave. Like we planned on leaving. And if we don't move on this, then we won't find something like it. And we could just end up living in this until we find or whatever we want to do, find what we want. So she called back and was like, Hey, you know, we want to take the, we want the house. Uh, you know, we'll come in, we'll move in there next weekend. And they're like, Oh, are you sure? Like, and we're like, yes. You know, we told them our story, like what we want to do. And they were like super excited and wanting to help. And so like, okay, uh, you know, you can do the deposit and everything when you get here, uh, we'll lock it in for you guys. And, you know, there's still some stuff we need to do though. And we're like, well, you can do it while when we move in or whatever, it's fine. So we literally the next day, Monday morning, went into the gym and had to, tell everybody at the lab that I was, we found this place, an opportunity. And we couldn't let it pass us. And, you know, we were moving. I had a, some, a bunch of guys from the gym come help me load up a, a U-Haul and we left the next day. <laughs> that is crazy. And so as far as training went, what was going to go, did you plan on training in Tennessee or were you going to just, or go back and forth between the lab and uh, Tennessee? You know, honestly, uh, so I knew uh, Shield Systems is in Knoxville and I know Scott Holtzman and it trains there. And, you know, I've trained with Scott a long time. He used to travel to the lab. So I figured like, I'll probably train, you know, travel to the lab and see how that is, you know, traveling and stuff. Um, and then I knew uncle Jeff from Jimmo and was like, well, I'll go there too. uh, you know, cross train there. So that'd be workout great. Um, but then, like I said, I did that first camp after the move half at Jimmo, you know, I worked at shield a little bit and then went to Jimmo and Scott trained there too. And then did the other half at the lab and it was just too much, man. It was too much, uh, being away for too long. And I was only there half a camp. So, uh, after that fight, you know, I talked with the coaches there and everybody, John Crouch, Brenton Henderson, uh, and just, you know, let them know that, you know, I wasn't going to be traveling back and forth anymore. I just couldn't do it. And then, yeah. and, uh, it's, it's even tough now just being gone during the week. <laughs> yeah. Was is Scott Saltzman? Does he live uh, really close to you? Uh, so he lives in Knoxville. So I live on the outskirts. Uh, so he lives about probably 45 minutes from me. Do you guys still train out there or you just occasionally, occasionally? Yeah. So like if I'm in town or anything or don't have a fight, I kind of make my way into shield systems out there just to you know, get some work in or train with him at his place or, or whatever. Usually we go into shield and, and get some work in there and work with the guys there. stuff. So, but gotcha. they don't quite have the fight team, you know, or, uh, yeah. You know, a, a fighter base guys, you know? Yeah. How old were your kids when you guys decided to move? Oh gosh. Uh, let's see. How long ago was this? This is four years ago, four or five years ago. So okay. let's see. Uh, my son was probably seven or eight was my oldest. And then 
five or six, my middle, and then my daughter was really young. Gotcha. Yeah, they're all two years apart. So, gotcha. Uh, how, and, yeah. how, and how were they with this this crazy move? So they were in they were in regular school, like public school out in Arizona. Yes. And then yeah. you brought them to uh, Tennessee. You yeah. Start a farm and then homeschool them, right? Yeah. So I mean, way down the road, we're we're in homeschooling now. Uh, but yeah, they went to public school here for a little bit, and then uh, you know we found the place where now was one of the houses we had on our list to look at. So we literally that house we ended up renting. We only lived in there for. Gosh, maybe six months or less. Because okay, had- so wait, that was just a rental. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. don't know why my mind started thinking that was at one of the houses that you bought, oh, the house no. that you're living in. Okay, so that's six or seven acre. Yeah, it was a rental. Okay, was a rental, and we were like, well, we'll stay in there until we find what we want, find the property, maybe you know, build or whatever, yeah. or find a house if it's whatever. So we had this house that we live in now was on our list to look at. We hadn't looked at it yet. Went and looked at it. It was like, yeah, this is it. This How is many it. acres you got in this house? Uh, 53. Jeez. Yeah. So, and that, and how long have you guys been homeschooling? Uh, two years now. Gotcha. So yeah. how, just tell me what this is like, what is it like to make that move and then homeschool? How's your wife doing this? Uh, uh you know, my, my wife has always been super supportive, man. She's amazing. Like, uh, I definitely don't deserve her. <laughs> like she's, she's way better than, I mean, you know, too good for me. I definitely, uh, you know, married up for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, my wife through my fight career or whatever, you know, she supported the family. Uh, you know, I worked a normal job, especially when I first started out, we were both working normal jobs. She's an RN, ended up becoming an RN, you know, early on. And, uh, you know, she supported our family and, you know, pretty much it got to the point after we had two kids, it was like, well, daycare costs more than it, than I'm making at my work. <laughs> you know, So, so it was like, well, you know, I was like, well, I think I'm going to really, you know, I want to really go for this. And uh, I'm at the gym where I'm, I need to be now. And, you know, she's like, well, if you quit your job, your kids just have, you have to watch the kids all the time. So if they're sick, you can't go in, whatever. They got to go to the gym with you all the time. You know, I'll support us and while you're, you're doing it. She did. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to, to make it and put in the work for it. And, you know, we moved and, you know, I ended up making enough where, you know, we can survive from fight to fight pretty much as long as I fight actively and we're smart with our money. Uh, so I told her to quit. She wanted to go back to school for her PA. Uh, so I told her to stop working, go to school. And she did. And she was about, I don't know, a month away from getting her PA decided, Hey, I don't want to work, uh, with people anymore. Uh, I want to switch and do veterinary. And I was like, awesome. That, I mean, that only helps us more. Did you guys um, so, already have animals at this point? Yeah, at this point we did. Yeah, we had the farm pretty much going and everything and all the animals. And so uh, she's like, yeah, I just don't want to work with people anymore. So she checked with her counselor. She went to University of Tennessee, uh, finished off there. Nice. And uh, yeah, I was able to switch into the veterinary program, which was a huge deal because they only allow a certain number of people in the vet program. And it's a pretty prestigious thing. And she was able to transfer over and uh, had to do school through one summer and then, you know, she just graduated last December and so she's a veterinarian now. Um, but through all that, it was like, well, you know, our kids wanted to try homeschooling and wanted to do that. And then all of a sudden here comes COVID. And so we were already talking about homeschooling and then COVID came for the next school year. And it was like, they're shutting down schools. Kids aren't going to be going to school for however long. 
Right. So we're like, well, I mean, gosh, this is just like the perfect sign to just, well, we just try it now. And now's the time to try it. So we just started and, uh, you know, kids, they opened up the schools, but like, it was like a week on, you know, week off, uh, two weeks off or whatever. So yeah. uh, I was really thankful that, you know, we homeschooled and it's definitely been, it's been struggles at times, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's been good and they're doing, they wanted to do it again this year. We gave them the option if you can go back to school or, or whatever, or we can homeschool again, whatever you want to do. So uh, they all chose to homeschool again. And so we're doing it again this year and it's going great. My wife, you know, she was teaching them and, you know, holding down the farm. They all hold my wife and my kids. They all hold down the farm while I'm gone and make sure everything's getting done. Man, it's, uh, she's definitely a superwoman running them around to, uh, instrument classes sports everything you know and it's just a lot going on bro it's insane having kids is insane <laughs> yeah do it doesn't end yeah yeah uh, we were young then, too oh we my were gosh young. yeah so my brother like the homeschooling thing i love it because my brother homeschooled his kids uh and he still homeschools his two daughters who were like uh maybe 13 and 11 and but his son just started going to high school and it's his first time being in a public school and since they started homeschooling him and it was like a test for my brother's wife to see how she did it all the all these years and yeah. he's literally killing it like that's awesome he's, he's getting put into like these gifted programs and everything because he was just so much more accelerated being in homeschool yeah. and you're allowed to create your own schedules you know and do things Absolutely. around the house and like learn you know things that are probably a little bit more useful in this life than, you know, and that's just it too. That's just it. It's like, yeah, they have to learn the basic stuff that they would need if they were going to school, but like we get so much more time to be able to do extracurricular stuff, things like life skills, uh, you know, things are going to be able to really use in life uh, rather than just, you know, school-based and even for the farm or whatever, you know, they spend time with the animals and go out there and, uh, you know, read books with the goats or whatever. So they're getting that, that bond <laughs> time. And then, you know, they also learn, you know, work ethic as well. So, it, man, it's we love it. And uh, I hope they, they they seem to love it as much as, as we love it for them. So uh, it's definitely interesting. Can, can you walk me through what you guys are doing with your animals and, and your farmlands? Like, what's the goal with that? Yeah, you know, we honestly haven't even scratched the surface of what we wanted to do with the animals and everything yet, you know, between crazy injuries, surgeries, uh, traveling, you know, and stuff like that. So it's just kind of been a mix of everything. But we have uh, Nigerian dwarf goats, which, you know, we uh, we want to show. We have not shown them yet, but we want to show them at shows. And, and, and like is that. that show them at shows what like how good looking they are like what's yeah what's pretty much like? you like walk them around uh, a ring and uh they check their you know how their gait is and everything like that how they walk how they look uh their body and and then they stand there and you pose them and you know they go around they check like the udders and you know check out their their stances their feet they check their mouth everything make sure it's all correct and uh this is they're registered nigerian dwarf goes so you do that and then you get places prizes or whatever i don't know some of them are cash prizes some are just trophies and stuff but um it only helps the program our go program when it comes to, to selling our our you know the kids off of our, our goats and everything like that I so, got you. yeah so it helps with it helps with the breeding you know be able absolutely. to sell so uh any of the babies that you guys have absolutely had. and so with the goats we haven't done showing yet but we do we milk them you know we sell our the kids off of them we have a really strong really good bloodline that we have for our goats my wife did 
all this research and everything. And she really wanted the goats and, you know, found the, the best bloodlines and everything. So we have a lot of strong bloodlines in our herd and, you know, we've been breeding them and we sell off the kids. And then we also milk our goats. Um, I'm drinking some goat milk, haven't had a ton, but uh, we've been using it. We make uh, goat soap, um, some lotions and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I use a lot of the, the soap for myself for training. She just makes me bars and stuff like that. So um, we use that and have the, we can drink the milk if we want. And, you know, if not, we save some too for just in case if like a kid kid comes out and the mom kicks a, a kid off and you have to bottle feed one, then we have milk stored for that as well. Um, and then we have, do you sell the, do you sell the milk or is uh, it, you just keep and save it right now? We, we keep and save what we're, we don't use. Um, uh, so that way if a kid, you know, any of the kids, you know, the mom kicks them off or rejects them or anything like that, that we're able to bottle feed. Uh, we keep some for our dogs as well, um, for puppies and everything like that. Uh, goat's milk is super rich and actually they say you can drink if you're lactose intolerant you can drink goat's milk that it won't hurt upset upset your stomach so mm. i'm lactose so it's just a, a thing but it's perfect yeah and i heard they're they're a pain in the are they really hard to take care of you have to milk goats. them every day right goats uh yeah. yes like when they're in milk you do have to milk them every day if they don't have uh otherwise they'll dry up like if they have a kid on them you don't you don't have to if you want milk uh, then you just got to separate the kid like at night and then in the morning you milk the mom and then the kid will get the rest of the milk and the milk throughout the day. Um, so how many goats do you guys have to milk a day? Uh, currently none. Uh, Cause we have none in milk right now. Uh, we were milking two and then uh, you know, we had the kids on them. So they kind of, we didn't want to milk them as often because we kept the kids on them. Um, just not really needing you know, or urgency for the milk or anything. So do they uh, only, do they only milk when they just had a baby? Is that how it works? With yeah. Parents? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that when they get pregnant, you know, over time, as it gets closer to birth, uh, their sac starts filling up and everything. And you don't want to take any milk at that point. Uh, they have colostrum in there, which is really, really good for, uh, the newborn baby and everything. It helps them with their survival rate. Um, so, you don't take milk from them. Then they have the babies and you let them on the, you know, the babies on the mom for, you know, a good week. And before you even start milking and then you can start taking milk and sub subsidizing the baby off to the side and, you know, getting the milk off the mom. Is it worth the same with cows? Uh, cows actually. So we, we looked at, uh, you know, possibly getting some milk cows, but milk cows is insane. Like the amount of how much they give in milk and, uh, yeah. So, and it's an everyday thing. Oh, so, so you guys don't, do you guys have cows? We do, but we don't have uh, milk cows. We have beef cows, black Angus. So just yeah. to sell them for meat and to, yeah. and to eat it yourself. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome, bro. Can I buy a cow from you? <laughs> yeah. We actually have uh, two. We're going to be butchering in, in March. So uh, yeah, I'll definitely maybe a half a cow. A half cow. Yeah. It's plenty of meat. How, yeah. How, is that like a year's worth you think for a family of five? Half uh, a cow? We're like, I think we're about a year's in with our last one and we're almost, we're just about out of ground beef and uh, everything else. Like it's, it's getting pretty close. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's a pretty good business, right? Getting into the cow, the cow business, selling the meat. Uh, honestly, no, no? <laughs> like it's, I mean, it's okay. Uh, if 
the truth about it is, is farmers, when I got in, when we bought this place and we're starting to build and getting cows and everything, my neighbor helped us out a ton, man. He's been huge part of just everything, helping us out, like letting us borrow equipment, uh, helping us put our fence up, teaching us stuff. You know, he's been awesome. Like it's without him, like we were doing as much research as we can, but it's different when you have somebody who knows what they're doing and they're showing you, this, you know, the ropes and everything like that. So he's been a huge help, but going and meeting other farmers and stuff like that with him and talking to them and him telling them, like, I just, you know, I'm starting a farm or whatever. And they're like, they're like, uh, why? Like, why are you doing that? Why would you do that? And I was like, well, I, you know, I love it. It's just, you know, it's comforting. I like it. I enjoy it. You know, it's peaceful to me. And they're like, you know how, uh, you know how you make a million dollars as a farmer? And I was like, no, oh, how? And they're like, you start with 2 million. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, this is a losing business, man. This yeah. is, you can't, there's no gain in it. And whatever you do make goes right back to the farm. Um, and it's, it's the truth. Like, unless you're like, it's crazy to see the, you know, amount of money that goes into running a farm firsthand and, you know, other people who have bigger farms and what they get for their cattle when they take it to the stockyard or sell it like that. Like they're selling it to these big, you know, big industries that are going to end, you know, fattening up the cow even more with a bunch of grain and, and all this junk and then, you know, butchering it to put, you know, meat into the market and the person in the middle and the, and the top pretty much work together. Like they're already a business. So they're making like all the money where the farmer who's done all of it up to that point is not making much at all. And yeah. if you have a small thing, I mean, I have a buddy in Minnesota and he has a, uh, a beef farm, a cattle farm. And he, you know, he told me like when we started, he's like, just, you know, get a couple different things, you know, get chickens, get goats, get it, mix, mix it up because you got to have a variety. You're not big enough. You don't have enough land to have enough cows to be able to, you know, survive off of, so you need to have a variety of things that you can bring income from. And uh, that's really what you, what we've been doing. You know, we have the ghosts, we have the chickens, we have the cows. Um, you know, a lot of people are looking for meat. We do our meat a little bit different than everybody else's. Like a lot of people, you know, commonly feed a lot of grain, do all that. Uh, we do not. We do straight pasture raised, grass fed. Um, make sure they get, you know, it's just pure and, and clean like God made it on this earth, man. That's how it's awesome. doing it. We put it on the table. So grass um, finished. Grass not not just grass finished. Grass finished could be they eat they ate grain all the way up to a couple weeks before they butcher them. So grass fed, grass finished. Is that yeah. is that yeah. mean you're good to go? Yeah, completely done. Grass okay. fed, pasture raised, like anything. And the thing is, is like learning all this stuff is it's crazy uh to get like certified for organic and all this stuff is like it's a huge process, but there's also so many weird loopholes that not necessarily I agree with that are like, you know, it's organic and grass fed if it's outside on the pasture for two hours, but inside in this little box for eight hours yeah, or something, yeah. you know, stuff like that. It's like, I don't want my cows to live like that. I don't want my animals to live like that. I want them to be you know, out there living the best life. And in return, I get, you know, I help them live their best life, fed them, take care of them. And in return, they're taking care of me. They're taking care of our family and giving back and giving back to whatever we don't, we try to use everything, uh, everything off of every animal, whatever, you know, for the dogs, for us, for the soil, everything, man. 
Yeah. I was thinking about what you said about when you met that farmer, uh, with the 2 million, you know, uh, the only way to make money is if you start with 2 million. Yeah. Um, no, you're actually losing money. So it's the only way to make a million is you start with 2 million. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at least like with all the food shortages or if the shit hits the fan, like who the hell, like, I don't, I don't trust anything, the future, you know, in yeah. front of us. And, you know, our job is to provide for our families. And the the fact that you get to the, you have the opportunity to be self-sufficient and be able to take care of your family, no matter what yeah. I think is so important. I, well, I, and that's know. the goal too, is to be as self-sufficient as possible. That's, that's ultimately our goal. And, uh, COVID is crazy, man, with COVID and like beef and everything, like the market's high, the price of beef at the stockyard, honestly, what you're getting back for if you sell it is okay. It's not great, but the butchers, man, uh, especially in Tennessee, we're around us. Like we've gone pretty much statewide looking for openings to, to butcher. Like we didn't even get to butcher a cow last year because when COVID hit everybody and their whole family, every family member bought a dang cow and booked a butcher date. Like they are jam packed. Like they're out. The one we go to is out like five years, like booked solid. That's crazy. That yeah, I wouldn't even think of something like that. So it's like you have a cow, you're ready for it to be butchered, and there's just nobody to butcher it. Yeah, because you can't just like it's not like deer or anything like that. Like you can do pigs, you can do goats, stuff like that. Smaller animals, Uh, deer. You know they don't need to hang very long because there's not that much blood as compared to a cow, a bigger animal. You know, you got to let it hang. And even so, like a cow needs to hang for a while. Like you need to have a cooler where it's hanging in there and the blood's, you know, it's bleeding out and everything like that. So, I mean, it's a process. You have warm weather, there goes the meat. You know, if, it, if it's hanging and it's in the heat, there it goes, flies are on it. It's, it's a mess. You, you can't have that. You got to have a butcher that has, you know, all the stuff to set up freezers, the, fri- the fridge to put it in and hang it and everything. And make sure it gets the proper amount of time. Yeah, it's a, definitely a lot of shit, but I think it's it's worth knowing. It's important to know. Oh, for sure. And like, man, I love it. I mean, farming is so much work and there's so much that goes into it. Uh, but I've never been scared of work. And yeah. it's it's super peaceful. It doesn't feel like work to me. Like, it's just super peaceful. And no no horses? Bro, oh my gosh. I ain't even about horses right now. God, Why not? Just hard work? No, I had a bad experience when I was a kid. Well, not it wasn't like traumatic or anything like that. But then we did get a horse. We did have a horse for a little bit. It was just a bad experience. And I don't know. When I was a kid, we were, you know, we were in Mexico with the family or whatever. And uh, you know, we went on a horse ride. Boom. My freaking horse bolts it, just takes off down the beach, going insane. The guy comes, gets it under control, and I'm like, okay, get me off of this. From that moment, I was like, yeah, i just not a big fan of horses. Well, my wife likes horses, and she's rode a little bit, and, you know, she was, she was in veterinary school. She was in a, you know, working at a place just to get hours for school. Yeah. And a lady was like, yeah, you know, I have a close friend. She's getting rid of some horses because... You know, she brings them in and finds them. People can't have them. You know, they, she takes them in or whatever. She just has too many right now. And she's looking for homes for a couple of them. My wife's like, you know, are they rideable? Are they trained? And she's like, she has this one. It's a Tennessee walking horse. It's trained. It's I love you know, Tennessee walkers. It. Yeah. So you ride? 
Oh yeah, all right, all right. I'm a cowboy. I got a cowboy hat. I got cowboy boots. Give me that. I, I watch. That Ye- I watch Yellowstone. <laughs> Have you watched Yellowstone? I love that show. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm hey. up to season three. I got the. Hat. I'm, I'm, I got the. What the finale? Give me the steel horse. Give me the steel horse. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had. Uh, I rode a Tennessee Walker once, and my neck. I've had neck issues. You know, I've had two neck surgeries. And I would do the ATVs. Uh, I, I went upstate New York uh, to one of my buddies' houses, and they had a bunch of properties. So we rode, we rode uh, ATVs, and my neck was killing me. I'm like, this sucks, man. My neck, my neck sucks on the first like five minutes. Yeah. And then I jumped on this Tennessee Walker horse, horse, and we started like you know going around and uh, you know just riding. And I went. I mean, it was probably like three hours. I was riding this horse, and I felt perfect, no issues. Nice. I'm like, I need to get a horse. And so, yeah, I love horses. I got, I, I can't believe you don't like horses. Yeah. Come on, man. You got to give them a second a chance. Well, okay. So we got this horse, right? And mm. my wife rode it. Fine. We had the kids on it. Fine. Whatever. Uh, and then like we had it up. It was like probably within a week. And this horse kept like attacking our cattle, like biting them because they would come to the fence. We had some baby calves that we were bottle feeding, uh, and they were older at that time, but the, the horse just wanted all the attention. So every time the cows came to the fence for us to pet them, the horse would come over and like push them out of the way, hit them, bite on them. And so we ended up separating the horse from the calves. And uh, just one day, my wife took this the horse out to go for a ride and she got on it, walked out. And all of a sudden he just, boom, snapped, went bonkers, freaking freaking flung her off she was like i don't know in the air smacked down like on her chest the horse was fucking man whatever and just bolted and that's like, terrible I i'm not letting her <laughs> i know she's okay at the end of the story <laughs> yeah yeah she's definitely okay but like in the moment like i just fucking ran over and tried to like keep the horse away from her she's like trying to catch her breath the horse runs through the fence to the cattle runs the cattle through my neighbor's uh, pasture fence through that runs back freaking screaming at the kids to get in the shop so they can get out of the way harm's way. My wife catches her breath. The horse goes running into the lake and then she's like, I'm going to go get the calves and call the neighbor to help get them back into our pasture. Can you go get the horse? And I'm like, this is where I die. Like, this is it. This is where I'm going to die. This horse is going to stop me out. Yeah. He said, he's standing in the lake, man. He's standing in the lake. I have to go in there and get him. And with every, he's not listening to you. He's dude, not going to he, come to you. No, it's not like a dog. No, yeah. no. He's, yeah. He's like, he's going to kill me. Every move yeah. I step, I take towards him. Like, he's moving in the water like it's <laughs> butter. I'm like, you know, chest deep, like, oh, God. And so it took me an hour just standing there for an hour, literally talking to him. It's okay, buddy. I'm I'm okay. It's okay. I'm not, I'm gonna here to help you. Here to help you. Like he couldn't throw a noose around his neck. Way. Inching my way. I couldn't do anything. You gotta man. wrangle him, bro. Right, dude. I had Hit to him with the Yellowstone. Everything. I was John like, Dudden. This dude would have just stomped me on the water, left me for dead. <laughs> like that would have been it. But I finally bro. got to him. Took the saddle off. Got the harness on him. Walked him out and was like, "We're this horse is out of here. We're finding this horse a home to somebody who knows how to work horses." and train him no yeah <laughs> so he was gone we found some people they trained horses they wanted to take them you got them oh man poor horse um poor horse we're, we're gonna... <laughs> are you kidding me that horse that horse just needs to be broken better you gotta get on his back and break him down 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so we gotta we gotta move up the farm in here because I don't like I, I love this stuff, but I know other people are like, oh, hey man, we can always fighting. talk about it at the gym fighting. or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, how much part of your day, like if you decide you're tr- at home and you're training, but you also have to do your farming, how much time do you have to delegate to farming as opposed to training? How could you how could you make that work? They just do. You just got to make it work, right? So is it like what time do you have to wake up with everything? And, and uh, you know, honestly, you know, I don't, the way we have our farm set up with our feeding times and everything like that, I don't have to get up at like 4 a.m. or anything like that. So we get up around, you know, 6.37 and get going, go do my rounds, check fence lines, you know, uh, make sure all the animals are okay. You know, they're all out and not. You know, where they're supposed to be nothing got to anybody we have our guardian dogs are watching so check on them as well check on our other dogs and the chickens and everything so we've had you know intruders like we've had to deal with foxes we've had to deal with uh raccoons um you got those coyotes coyotes, coyotes. Not, not too much honestly call like, them coyotes but yeah we have a lot we have a lot but uh they don't ever mess with anything my dogs keep them back uh, they'll run in the in the pasture with the cows and stuff like that, but never at them or after them or anything like that. They keep their distance. Bro, I want to come hang out your your uh, your farm one day. I just want to experience it. Yeah, it's fun. If you invite, a lot to do. if you if you send the invitation, <laughs> I'm there. All right. Um, all right. Let's get into some fighting talk. So obviously, you're fighting Matt Brown in four weeks. Um, you you are a tough ass dude. You've been in the UFC, I think, with 2014. Josh, I mean, I'd have to look it up. You know, you've been, you're a vet. You're a vet. Yeah. You're, you're a vet just like me, uh, which is weird, right? It just goes so fast. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, but you've had, you've had tons of ups and downs. And I know you're a type of guy you don't make, you, you don't like making excuses. You don't really like to talk about yourself and complain. Um, but and when I sat down with you at uh, Jimmo Training Center, which is in North Carolina, just so people know, uh, the guy Jeff Jimmo, he's the he's the coach over there. He's an unbelievable coach, really smart guy, quiet. So you, you a lot of people have never heard of him, um, but I've been around a lot. I know you've been around a lot, and he really is a special dude. Knows a lot about the sport. Great, great guy to be around. Um, uh, but sat down and spoke to you. Heard and and heard a little bit about some of the stories uh, that you have that you have. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy has been through a lot. Can you go into your sparring session before I forgot who you're going to fight, but before one of your fights, it was a week before one of your fights. Uh, you have a sparring session and you start driving home. Can you go into, uh, Oh this, yeah. This debacle. Yeah. 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 I was actually scheduled to fight, uh, Daniel Rodriguez. And was that, uh, he's a freaking beast. Yeah. Yeah. That's I was pumped too. about the fight. Cause he comes, you know, he comes to fight, throws down. Yeah. He, you know, he wants to stand and throw and that's what I'm all about. So, uh, was super excited for that fight. I had just come off of, you know, a fight before that with Anthony Ivy that I came back from back surgery. Um, so I was just like, you know, trying to find a fight for, you know, get a turn- quick turnaround. And then finally got the, the Daniel Rodriguez fight it was in my last week. And uh, the Friday, actually the Friday that I was going to be heading home before fight week, uh, did my sparring rounds. Very first round was going, felt great. Uh, took a body kick. Uh, the guy, my training partner did a spinning body back kicked to the body took it was fine kept going uh finished our round did all the did the other two rounds felt great you know it was like oh this is awesome i felt great sparring with end camp hung out for a little bit talked to everybody talked to jeff and was like all right i'm getting home got time to drive over the mountain and 
So just so everybody knows, so you train out in North Carolina, was it like three and a half, three hour drive? Four and a half hour drive. So yeah. four and a half hour drive, you drive every week to North Carolina from Tennessee um, and then drive back at the end of the week, right? After Friday, yeah. you drive back another four and a half hours back to your yeah. home in Tennessee. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I got in my car and like I had forgot to pack lunch and was like, my stomach was kind of growling and kind of hurting. And I was like, maybe that body kick was a little harder than I thought. Like I'm having some after effects, but maybe I'm just hungry. So I was like, Oh, I'll go to McDonald's and grab a salad. It's right here. Like, so it's like, I could just be on the road right after McDonald's of all places. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you weren't struggling. You weren't struggling that much making weight. I mean, yeah, but I, I mean, it wasn't pretty, but it was like not too bad. I was gonna get a salad anyway. No, oh, no dressing, no nothing. All right, all right. Sit in this long line. Finally, get to the thing. Hey, I'll get the salad. No, no dressing, whatever. Oh, we don't carry salads no more. I'm like, oh my god, I just wasted like 30 minutes sitting in this line. Oh, that not sucks. Even longer to get home. So I'm like, whatever. Drive down to Chick Fil A, get a salad there. Get a salad, Chick Fil A, hit the road. Boom eat the salad stomach's still hurting I'm like ah but then it was like it was like coming and going it was weird so it was just like oh it kind of hurts yeah it's not too bad it did it feel away. like gas pain like did it what did it feel like it honestly Anything felt that- like i was like hungry like super hungry at gotcha. first like that's what it felt like right away like i was starving almost yeah and like i didn't have a big breakfast that morning just because i was in a hurry to get to the gym and then like i said i forgot my lunch or whatever but i was yeah. like just felt like i was really hungry yeah and then you know i'm driving i'm talking to my wife i talk to my wife when i drive and then uh so we were talking and i was like yeah she asked how my rounds went i was like it went great i took a body kick but i don't know if i'm getting some after effects from it or whatever but you know i'm a little sore and it's kind of hurting a bit and as the drive went on it was like man it's starting to hurt really bad we're about like two hours in you know, it's starting to hurt really bad. And she's like, are you okay? She's like, you can pull over and I'll come get, you know, I'll drive out there and pick you up. So you don't have to drive the rest of the way. You can just relax in the car. And I'm like, no, you know, I'll, I'm, you know, I got two more hours. I'll do it and I'll be fine. She's like, oh gosh, it's getting worse and worse. She's like, maybe you need to pull over. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm sweating. And I was like sweating everywhere. Like I had just got done with a hardcore workout pouring sweat mm. and then tingling i was like oh my gosh I'm so, my, my body's tingling from head to toe like she's like oh my gosh you need to pull over right now and then at that moment it was like my vision went out couldn't see i was on the highway i was like oh my gosh i can't see she's like pull over pull over and like i'm just like okay well did it feel like you were fainting or did it feel like you just your your sight just left no it just felt like it just left like it was just like that you were like still a, like you a were light. still a hundred percent there but just can't see yeah yeah Holy so i was God. and i'm talking to her during this this you know crazy thing going on episode and i'm like i'm gonna swerve over and stop when i get to the side and I did just, I was in the fast lane and it was like a two lane highway. I swerved over real quick. Luckily, thank God there was no cars or anything. Swerved over. And all I could think was if my tires dipped down, I've hit the side bank. So stop. I felt it stopped. I'm out there. And my wife's like, call 911, call 911. I'm like, I can't, I can't see. And she's like, I'm going to call 911. If, oh you know, my God, bro. If, if you, if I call back, like hit the button on the steering wheel. And I was like, okay. And so she's like calling, you know, she hangs up, just calling 911. All of a sudden my, vision comes back it just starts coming right back so i'm like okay well i can see i'm gonna call 911 call 911 hey i need an ambulance 
you know, this is where I'm at. I, I hope, you know, I'm looking like, this is what I see. This sign looks like I'm near an off ramp. And they're like, okay, uh, we think we know you're, we're near where you're at. We're going to come get you. I was like, well, I'm going to pull off the off ramp off the highway and turn into the first thing that's right there. And they're like, no, 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 don't do it. And I was like, I'm fine. I can, you know, I'll make it there. And they're like, you know, we don't want you to do it. I was like, whatever. So I did. And I was like, okay, I pulled in here. I'm stopped parked in this church. That's in a shopping center that has, but there's a church there. It was weird. And yeah. are you in North Carolina at this point still? Yeah. Yeah. Still in North gotcha. Carolina. Yeah. And then, um, so I call my wife back and she's like, I couldn't get a hold of an ambulance. They kept transferring me to different places. Cause I didn't know exactly where you were at. Like the highway, excuse me, the highway and everything. I didn't know exactly where you were at. So they kept transferring me to different places. And I'm like, I called an ambulance. They're on their way. And they pull in the parking lot and the ambulance comes like, Hey, you know, what's going on. And I tell them, I'm like, Hey, look, you know, I'm having issues. My vision just went out. I was tingling all over, sweating. I took a body shot earlier. I don't know if it's something serious or, you know, what's going on. So it did click that maybe this is from the body shot at some yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, that's the only thing I could think of. Like it had yeah. to be from the body shot and it's, you know, something's you, going did you, on. Because, you know, sometimes when you overexert yourself, you work super hard, you know, maybe yeah. you like you didn't hydrate right or something. Yeah. You get, and maybe something with that, but you yeah, didn't know this was different. Yeah. yeah, this was different. This was yeah. different. I was just like, it had to be from the body shot or something. And, but they're like, okay, you know, do you want to take this? Do you want us to take you to the hospital? And I was like, well, how far is the hospital? And they're like, it's right up the road, like three miles. And I was like, I can, I can drive that. And my wife's like, get the hell out of the car. What are you doing? Yeah. She's on like the, the car freaking yeah, intercom yeah. or whatever. Get yeah. out of the car. Shut the hell up. Take him to the hospital. And I'm like, I'll go. And they're like, looking at me like, whoa, man, you better just go. You know, I'm yeah. like stupid in the moment. Cause I'm like thinking like, man, I don't want an ambulance bill. If this is going to be nothing, then I got an ambulance bill yeah. and you know, stupid, but yeah. So I'm like, okay. So I get out, you know, get in the ambulance and uh, you know, they're asking me, you know, what's going on. They're like, Hey, we, okay. We need to give you an IV. Get us. We're going to get an IV started and take you to the hospital. I was like, no, no, no. And they're like, what? And I was like, no, you can't do that. They're like, why? And we're like, I was like, I'm supposed to fight next weekend. I said, if this is nothing serious, I'm fighting. Like, yeah. This is it's just fucking whatever. I'll rest up. I'm fighting next weekend. Yeah. And you can't IV me. You saw it doesn't allow IVs, whatever. Yeah. I'll lose out the fight. Like, you can't IV me. They're like, what the hell? I was like, yeah, I fight for the UFC. I get tested. Like, you can't. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, can we start it? but we won't put the IV in you. We'll just put the needle in you so they can like, if something is serious, they can pop it right in. I was like, yeah, that works. So they did that. They got the needle started. And, That's um, hysterical. You're worried about your fight next week. Dude. And that was the thing. And yeah, I kind of screwed myself in that, I guess, because I was there asking me everything and I'm telling them like, look, I have no pain right now, but it's like coming and going. And when it comes, it's like really strong. Like, when I was in the car, it was you know crazy. I had all those symptoms, whatever. My vision went out. And I said, I'm not having any of that now. But I said, when it comes, it's, it's bad. And so we get to the hospital. They unload me in the gurney. And they go, okay, we're going to get you get you in. They roll me all the way to the front of the hospital, like where you walk into the hospital and there's the registration desk. They roll me right there. And I was like, wait a minute. Why aren't you taking me to a room? <laughs> and they're like, Oh, the, you know, the hospital is really busy at the moment. Uh, we're just going to get checked in. They'll take you back as soon as they got an opening. I'm like, no, man, I, 
you know, what if something is really wrong? And he's like, oh, I'm just going to get checked in. So he puts me in a wheelchair and moves me to the side. His buddy's sitting with me. And I can hear him checking in. Yeah, he, you know, he says he has stomach pain. We're not really sure what's going on. He doesn't, you know, I'm not sure it's too serious, but we don't know. But just check him in. And while he's doing this, I'm like, I need to get to the back. Like, I think I need something. And all of a sudden, boom, I started having symptoms, you know, sweating all over, uh, tingling. And all of a sudden, this time, I felt like I was going to faint. Like, I was falling out of the chair. Oh. And, I, and I didn't have the energy to say anything, like, to really, like, speak out to the person next to me or whatever. I All I could say was, and it ran through my head, it was just, help me, help me, help me. Fuck. Help me, seriously. Oh, help oh, me. And God. I'm falling out of the chair, like, passing out. Help me in this. Luckily, there was this nurse right there, and she's like, He doesn't look so good. And then the other nurse looks, she's like, Oh my gosh, take him back right away. So they wheeled me back right away. And the doctor comes right in my face, What's going on? He's like, I took a body shot earlier. I think maybe I ruptured something. I don't know what's going on. And they freaking lift me up on that table. They cut my shirt off, ultrasound machine, call a trauma code. We're going to emergency surgery. I'm like, call my wife, call my wife. She doesn't know where I'm at. Call my wife right now. He's like, we'll call her as soon as you go in. I said, no, you need to call her right now in front of me. She has no idea where I'm at. She's on her way. She's two hours away driving. No idea where I'm at. So he calls right in front of me and tells us like, yeah, he's going to emergency surgery. Uh, get here as fast as you can. This is where we're at. So I go into emergency surgery and they put the dang mask on me to breathe in to put me out. Man, I thought they were going to start cutting into me before that happened, before I went out. They're like, get the knives, get the knives, get everything. And I'm like, like, breathe in as as much as you can. I'm like, you know, trying to get this thing rolling. And they're like, get the knives, we're going to start. And I was like, hey, hey, I'm not, I'm not asleep. No, I'm not asleep. I'm like, don't you start on me. I'm not asleep. asleep. They're just, it's okay. Just breathe. Uh, Take deep breaths. I'm taking like these deep old, like the deepest breaths I've ever taken. Nothing's happening. I'm like, I can't, I can't, like, I'm still awake. Don't you start. And then all of a sudden he was like, I'm gone. So, <laughs> oh my but, gosh, bro. Yeah. And it, man, the craziest thing too is like, my wife finally gets there. Well, Jeff got there first. Cause my wife called Jeff, told him to go. He got there first. He said he walks in and the, a damn person comes up to him. A person comes up to him and says, Hey, what's going on? He's like, Hey, I'm, I'm here. I need to see my my buddy, Brian, he's here. He just came in and he's he's like, who are you? He's like, I'm the corner. And he's like, who the fuck? What the fuck are you talking about? Like, sorry, my <laughs> like, he was oh, like, no, so good. stop, stop. Yeah. Like, what, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh, I'm just helping out the hospital. You know, they're backed up right now. So they got me out here greeting people. And he's like, God. So then my wife walks in like a little bit later, I guess. And the same thing, corner comes up to her and it's like, She's like, where's my husband? I'm here. She's like, well, maybe you want to sit down. He's like, I'm the corner. Maybe you want to sit down. She's like, the hell not. I'm not sitting down. What the hell? Tell me what's going on. And what's, you know, and she's like, he's like, oh no, I'm just, I'm helping out the hospital. And she's like, why the hell didn't you say that first? Like, what are you talking about? He's okay. (laughs) But like, she said it was. I so thought you weird. meant. I thought you said corner. Like yeah. Jeff came in and said, oh, "I'm no. your corner. I'm no. his corner." I'm no, like, like, did the, he think he was at the, the UFC freaking... fight? <laughs> the cor- like corner, right? Yeah, the like corner. The, the corner, but like dead yeah. people. Like, oh my dead. god, holy yeah. crap! Yeah, so it was just freaking like a, a mess. And then I guess you know the doctor had called her on her way and was like, "You need to get here as fast as possible," and whatever. And then when I got there. I was recovering in the back. I was fine. 
And she said, I was asking for her to let her come back. They're like, she can't come to you get a room. I was like, all right. But I guess she said they told her like, I wasn't doing so well. I'm like, what? And then, so like, she had like all this extra added stress to the whole thing. But yeah, I ended up having surgery and freaking, I ruptured two arteries in my abdomen. They said it was like a, it's a freak. Like it could happen, but it's like a freak thing. Like literally has to be the right amount of force and the right angle, the right timing, everything had to add up. And uh, yeah, I was just lucky enough to get it, you know? <laughs> Holy smoke. So wait, you rushed. I'll show the scar. Let's see. Can you see yeah, the scar? Go ahead. Show the scar. Let's see the scar. Very nice. Yeah. That is a nice Got to be like a fish. I'm, I'm, they, went, they went around your belly button though. That was, yeah, nice, that was nice, right? Yeah. Yeah. They didn't want to cut right through that bed. <laughs> Bro. Uh, so that's a good looking belly button. We better not cut into that. Bro, what <laughs> the I cannot believe you went through that. Like that is insane. I, a couple things popped in my head. One, thank God that you remembered that it was a body shot that possibly could have put you in the situation. Because if you would have shown up and were just like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way, like where do they start? Yeah. You know, yeah. do they start with a what do they do? A, a like an x ray of your stomach or whatever, ultrasound of your yeah. stomach? Like on a yeah. guy, I don't feel like they would do that, you know. So I feel yeah. like that that saved you right there. And then um, they yeah, couldn't, full of so because you didn't have the IV, is that why they couldn't hit you with the, the pain medication through the, through the IV as opposed to uh, just the mask? Probably, probably. Yeah. Like they ended up giving me an IV, you know, after yeah. me, of course they had to with the yeah. surgery and everything. So yeah. you couldn't tell you Zada though, just in case you were going to fight the next week, you know? Yeah. You know, I had to fucking tell them. I'd be like, so, hey, look, I had to sign this paper. Look. Medical. Oh, <laughs> such a freaking crazy story. So you, you rupture two arteries in your stomach, which is, uh, yeah. is a complete freak thing. Um, I've never heard of that happening to anybody in MMA or yeah. kickboxing. Uh, have you, I mean, I've been around I've, the sport. I've never, heard long. I've never heard of it. And there's been cr some crazy body shots, you know, yeah. and you didn't go down from the body shot, you yeah. know, which happens all the time. You know, people who aren't in, in gyms like that, but guys go down body shots more than headshots. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, so for you to have to go through that is insane. So you had internal bleeding, basically? Oh, yeah. I was full of blood. My stomach was completely full of blood. Yeah. My gosh. Can't um, remember what they said. It was like three liters or something like that. So talk to me about the recovery. Like, what? how does how does that work? Um, did they tell you that you can't fight again? Yeah. Actually, they did. Yeah. <laughs> really? Uh, you know, it was, yeah, pretty much like. They all told me, you know, they don't recommend fighting because people with this injury, uh, if they do compete again, other athletes are wearing a Kevlar guard. Um, you know, they're able to take some of the force off of contact. They said in this, you're not able to wear that. And people are directly targeting your abdomen. Oh. Um, <clears throat> so they said, like, there is risk. We don't know. And we don't know if you'll be able to fight again, if you can or not, but we don't, we can't recommend you fighting again. There was one doctor who said that she believed that like it was, it's possible for me to fight again. And, but she, I mean, she said I could do uh, that. I'd be back faster too. Then. And so like, I was just like taking everything she said. It was like, yes. <laughs> yes. She's a smart doctor. Yeah. yeah. Those guys, gonna, I'm going to try anyway. I'm going to try yeah. anyway. Cause, yeah. and that was the thing too. Like, uh, it was extremely emotional, hard situation, uh, you know, with the whole thing in general, just like my wife, my kids, I mean, it hit my kids really hard. Um, crazy, like super emotional, um, 
you know, they want me to stop, you know, never fight again kind of thing. And, you know, I just, we, we did, we talked about it. We, we had a conversation, you know, I had a conversation with my wife. We sat our kids down, had a conversation with them about me fighting, you know, fighting isn't everything, you know, it's not, it really isn't. Uh, does it give us the lifestyle way I have? It does. Uh, but you know, there's other things I can do that, you know, maybe I have to work more or change different stuff, but you know, I'll be able to still be there for them and everything. Um, without the risk. Uh, but I do, I love fighting. I love it. I love competing. Uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. When I don't enjoy fighting anymore, I won't fight anymore, but I really, I really do enjoy it. And, uh, it's, it we talked to them about it and like, you know, what, what me fighting brings and, you know, the lifestyle we live and able to do it. And that, I had to try for myself. Like I had to try training. I had to try coming back. I had to try everything, but that the promise was if anything, you know, happened, if it, you know, got bad, if it, you know, made it where I couldn't, or there was another injury in there or whatever, if anything, then I'd be done. And, you know, that would be it. Like if I can't, if I can't, I can't. And, you know, I'm okay. I can, I can live with that, but I'd have to try. And, uh, so I did, I mean, recovery was not as fast as that lady said, uh, I ended up, uh, suffering a little tear in there, uh, in the incision area internally, um, which wasn't a whole lot of pain or anything like that. It was just, uh, a little bit of pain and it was there. Uh, and their biggest concern was like a hernia would come through, um, but luckily I didn't have any issues with that and was able to keep, just had to tone it back and give it a kind of rest week and come back at it again and, and build my way up. And they couldn't tell me a timeline. They couldn't tell me uh, really anything I could do to improve or, you know, recover. When I had back surgery, it was like, okay, this is your timeline. You're doing this, this, and this PT wise and stuff. And then building from there, and you know, work your way back. I had people tell me I wouldn't come back from back surgery. And besides one doctor came back. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was a process, man. Every day, you know, little by little edging forward. And then I was in contact with Jeff a lot, uh, making, putting together workouts when I could work out, uh, with a lot of low heart rate stuff, not putting too much stress on my body and working more, uh, long-term endurance rather than bursts and, and things like that. And, you know, I feel like they've helped my training having to make those adjustments, which now I don't have any, you know, restrictions or whatever, but, um, those doing that work during that time, I believe helped me as well. Mm. How long has it been since, uh, the incident and the surgery? Uh, it's been just over a year. Wait, what? What? Yeah. Jeez, I feel like this was this should have been years ago. So I fought, I fought before a year's time. Um, my last fight was like I think eight months, eight months in from surgery. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much there. Um, it makes me think, obviously, about myself. Like with my leg, there's not really a timeline. No one's giving me a timeline. You know, yeah. there's not too many people. <clears throat> that have had what I've had, uh, done to me. Um, even like Anderson Silva, um, 
and uh, what's the other guy's name? Cody Hill or Corey Hill, the kid, the kid who also broke his leg. Nobody, nobody's went through like the skin and the muscle like mine did. So like the rupturing of all the vessels in the in the in the veins, like it's hard to get like a timeline. There's no there's no doctor who's saying okay uh, by this month. Uh, you're going to be at this level or you should be, if not, then, you know, we're behind, you know, Yeah. So, or, you know, no one's telling me I'm ahead based on somebody else. So it's annoying, you know, to try to figure out, you know, where I'm at. Uh, yeah. That's super frustrating. Frustrating. So you just yeah. got to keep, you know, just grinding forward. There's really no, nobody who's telling me like exactly what I should be doing, you know, because yeah. nobody really knows like it's fucking it's a yeah. weird, it's a weird spot. Again, like I've had all, all these different surgeries. I've had the neck surgeries, I guess it's kind of similar to your back surgery. Yeah. And again, it was so much easier. It was so much yeah. easier. It's a pain in the ass. That's show. exactly how I feel. Like the back surgery was so much easier in like reality of just, you know, having everything lined out and kind of figured out what to do and when you could do this and do that with this. It was just, you know, day by day kind of thing. And, you know, you got to have this much period of rest before you could actually start doing anything. But at that, after that period, like you can kind of start working your way in. I really, I just put a program together with Jeff and started working at it. And little by little, we went, just started slow and, you know, built. That's awesome. Uh, last question. Uh, how you feeling going into this Matt Brown fight, man? I mean, this is a, a legendary fight. I feel like it's an awesome matchup. I mean, two guys who like to just lay it on the line, uh, guys who've been around. Um, how you feeling? I feel great. I feel great. Uh, I'm super excited about this matchup. You know, uh, for me, it's like a dream matchup. Uh, it's one of those, you know, it's a guy that I've been watching for a long time uh, and he brings it every time. And the fact that I know that he brings it every time, it just makes me that much more excited because, I know he's going to come in with no mercy and try to take my head off and, you know, try to freaking KO me, which is just that much more exciting. Um, Cause I'm going to do the same thing right back to him. And I know he can, he'll respect that as well. You know, oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm super pumped, man. After coming back and find that last fight and from injury, uh, the win was just getting back in there. You know, uh, we had the fight, the fight didn't go our way. Uh, God has a plan and look at me now, like got this Matt Brown fight you know, freaking super pumped, super stoked about it. Honored to be fighting him. Really, like you said, he's a legend. Uh, I believe I'm a legend in the making and coming to get him. So, you know, let's let two legends compare right here and lock horns and get after each other. It's it's awesome because people who put it on the line like you do every single time, win or lose, you know, you walk forward and bring the best version of yourself every single time. You're not hiding away. You're not trying to squeak by with wins. You know, it's, uh, you know, if you're up on the scorecards, you don't stop going forward. <sighs> and um, it's nice to see that the UFC appreciates guys like you. And even though you lost your last fight, it hooks you up with this amazing matchup that people yeah. are going to be super excited to see, as opposed to, you know, you fighting some up and coming kid that no one ever heard of that's maybe just as dangerous or even more dangerous. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's awesome that you have this opportunity and, uh, I'm, ex I'm excited yeah. to watch it, man. Yeah, man. I'm, it's, it's a blessing, you know, I'm thankful to the UFC for giving me this matchup and, <clears throat> you know, ready to put on a show again. And really, if it was, you know, anybody who they want to put in front of me, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. So I'm super thankful for getting Matt Brown. And like I said, it's an honor to fight him and ready to go to war. There will, yeah, be there will be blood. <laughs> there, there will be blood there for sure. Blood. For sure. Make sure to tune into that one, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm going to probably see you tomorrow. I think I'm going to swing by the gym and uh, watch you train and probably train myself. And Oh, awesome. Yeah, if I could help out at all, let's go. I, I could be yeah. Matt Brown. 
little fun fact, bro. The first UFC fight I've ever seen live. First, first one uh, was Matt Brown versus Pete Drago Cell. I, I cornered, okay. I, I quartered Drago for that fight. It was my first time ever being at a fight live. And uh, because when you're in the corner, when you're in a corner, you don't get to see other fights. So the only fight I seen that night was Matt Brown versus Pete oh, Drago. Wow. So didn't go good for Drago. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was a crazy experience for me being in the corner for that. That was, man, that was 2000 and 2010, nine. Yeah. Matt Brown has been around for a while. Bro. Yes. Yes. I feel like he might've been like moving up in title contention back then. Yeah. Yep. freaking bonkers to think about because yeah i mean i've been around for a while too and for for me to be looking at him like holy shit he's still going yeah um all right anyway, anyway man i'll see you tomorrow we'll hang out tomorrow get more talking in then but i appreciate you coming on the show thank you uh and we'll probably do this again some other time and before we go i know you have your own podcast that you do so give it a I shout do. out anywhere people can find you get to know you better yeah dctb podcast it's uh on spotify apple or iTunes, iMusic, or I, whatever uh, the podcast one. Yep, and yep. Uh, you can find it pretty much wherever wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, I do that. It's kind of been kind of been down on it a little bit, but uh, we're looking to kick things back up. Got some exciting exciting people coming on and everything, and hope they have you on sometime. Have me on, bro. Invite yeah. me. I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> we love it. We love it. Yeah. I play video games too. You can watch me on Twitch, DCTB underscore Bam Bam on there. Oh, yeah. What Slam game do you bodies. play? Warzone. Oh, bro, uh, we gotta play together. Yeah, you play? Yeah, I play. I'm I'm a PC guy though. I got a PC. All right, you PC what, too? I PC. PC. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you don't do mouse and keyboard though, dude. Uh, no, I'm not that. You're bad. not as much of a nerd. <laughs> I wish. Be. I just suck. I'm working on it. Yeah, but you know what? The with Warzone in particular, uh, the the I think the best guys in the world they use controller, controller. on PC. Yeah. So you guys have the uh, because the aim assist on Warzone. Mm. But yeah. anyway, I still I stick with the mouse and keyboard. OG right we'll, there. We'll play. We'll play. All right, brother. You have a good one, man. I appreciate okay. you doing this. That was an awesome conversation with Brian Barberina. Um, I really appreciate him doing this, uh, especially with him having a fight in four weeks against Matt Brown. Um, super interesting guy. Um, the epitome of a family guy. So his coach, Jeff Jimma, one of his closest friends, he had told me a story before we even – uh, before I even spoke to Brian on this podcast about one day he was on, he was out at a fight and he just had met Jeff. They didn't really know each other that well. And, um, it was late at night. And while they were talking, just getting to know each other, he's like, you mind if I FaceTime, you know, my family real fast, just to say goodnight to my kids. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. And he, he took time to individually call each one of his kids on their iPads or whatever they got and spoke to each one of them individually. It wasn't like they had his whole family together in a community and like, you know, it was one call. It was multiple calls and he took his time with each kid, um, which I think is, you know, super uh, endearing and uh, it's nice to hear. And from a kid, a kid that's from California, moves to Arizona, living that fighting life, um, leaves the big city and decides to basically live off grid and start a farm and become self-sufficient. Uh, without having any idea on what he's doing, uh, obviously takes a lot of balls, and uh, you know he's he's as tough as they come. He's one of these guys who doesn't complain, and you hear that story about what happened to his stomach, you know, with the two ruptured arteries in his abdomen, and then the internal bleeding, and 
you know, he pulls over, he can't see, and next thing I know, you know, he's just, all he's concerned about is the next week he has a fight, and he doesn't want the fight to get put off, and so he's worried about them putting an IV in him as he's basically dying. Um, so it's just awesome to talk to guys like this, and um, these are stories that I love to get out there that not as many people have heard, um, and I think people should hear. Um, very inspiring, and. Um, yeah, man. I hope you guys enjoyed. Remember, if you want to hear more conversations like this one I just had with Brian, all you have to do is click that follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you do your listening. I've also got a YouTube channel. So if you want to watch the podcast or check out some videos about my recovery or my workouts, please go subscribe there as well. Have a great weekend, and I'll be back next week with another great guest. But until then, I'm Chris Weidman, and this is Won't Back Down. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.